0: Okay, so we were in the middle of going through the Shmon Esrei, which begins on page 50 in the regular Siddur. Um, and as we discussed a number of times, that the Shmon Esrei is the essence of Tfilah. The, um, the center of Tfilah, according to Allah, is definitely the Shmon Esrei. <laughs> That's the primary obligation of tefillah. Um, and really, everything that we daven is a lead-up to the Shmona Esri. And as we've discussed, just to quickly review, the Shmona itself can be divided into three subdivisions. Three divisions. And that is the first three brachas, the last three brachas, and the middle, 12 slash 13. Right? Um, of course way back when, um, tefillah, prayer, was personal and wasn't scripted. And you just talked to Hashem. Um, and you expressed yourself towards Hashem. But prayer always had three cardinal components. And they were praise, request, and thanks. Those are the all, always, from time immortal, um, the three components of prayer is praising Hashem, asking of Hashem our needs, and thanking Hashem for what He's given us. So when the Anshe Knesset Sagdola, when the men of the Great Assembly actually scripted the prayer, they did it following those three steps. And that's why the Shemona Esri has those three parts. The first barachos being the primary theme, being praise. The middle 12 slash 13 being requests, and the final three being thanks. That's the the build of the Shemona Esri. But when we were looking... Close, more closely, at the middle section, again, the body of the Shmo which is the requests. Um, I keep on saying 12 slash 13, because initially it was 12, and then the 13th was Lama added. The, the one against the informers and the oppressors, that was added a couple of hundred years after the Shmo proper was written. Right? The Shmo as I said, was written by the men of the Great Assembly, the Anshei Nessas Agdola, and they were the ones who built the second base on Mikdash, and this bracha, Valaam was added after the destruction of the Beis Mektash in the Bezdin of Rabban Gamliel. And I think last week we discussed that it was Rabban Gamliel who um, who uh, who uh, he had the idea to add it and he had Shmuel HaKatan, one of the sages at the time, actually write that bracha. And that's the Valaam But as we take a closer look at the middle section, and the middle section starts on page 53 with the bracha la adam das. That's the first of that middle section. And it goes all the way until, until Ritsei, which is on page 57. Right? If we were to count, we would find you have hashivenu, slachlanu, re'ei. Rifa'enu, Bari Cholenu, Tekabi Shofer Gadol, Hashiva Shaftenu, Vilam Shinim, Alhat Sadikim is 10, Vilir Shalayim 11, Essemach David Avdacha 12, Shmakolenu is 13. That's the 13 middle brachas of the Shmon Now, those 13 brachas themselves, which are the brachas of requests, can also be divided in half. The first half are more personal natured requests, and the second half are more general types of requests. Right? If we notice, right? And again, let's I'm, 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 let's just run through it quickly. The first request that we ask in the Bracha Atah is for wisdom. The first, and that's a personal request, right? On page fifty three. So you have wisdom. Then we ask for Teshuva. That's personal repentance. Mm-hmm. Am I going too fast? On page 53, you have number one, you have the wisdom. Number two is shuvah. Number three is slakhlanu, which is um, atonement. And number four, which is reina vanyenu, which is a personal redemption. Okay? Number five, healing, refuah. Number six... We have, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. After slachlanu, which is atonement, we have reina, which is personal redemption. Redemption. Why are they written in the, in the plural, then, if it's personal? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, I'm going to assume the answer to that question. I don't know for sure. Which is, whenever we ask, we make ourselves as part of the bigger body asking. We don't just ask based on our own merit, but we're asking as Kral Yisrael, as the same children. Um, Tfilah has greater significance when it's not just as me by myself, but me as part of the children, part of the family. Um, even if I myself may not may not be worthy and so on, but I'm I'm part of something bigger. I'm part of a tzibur, part of a clout. So although I'm asking for a personal bracha, I'm asking it as through my right of being part of Hashem's children. That's again, that's my assumption to answer that question. Um, okay, so that was four. Number five is Rifua, which is for healing. Doesn't need any explanation. Health Number six is for Parnassa, Baruch aleinu, to bless the year and the crops and so on. That's Parnassa. So that is six brachos, and those six are all pretty personal, right? For wisdom, for atonement, for tshuva, personal redemption, refua uh, Parnassa. These are the personal six of the of the requests. The next six, which became seven is also requests, but they're more um, general requests for Kalal Yisrael. And they're they're all about really the general redemption, starting with Takaba the Shofar Gadol, sounding the great shofar, and gathering in the exiles. Um, the next one is for the Sanhedrin, um, for our own uh, judges and leaders. Um, then you have the Lam shinim which was the additional one that was written, and that's to save us from the oppressors and from the informers uh, um, that that, that they be removed. And then the bracha for tzaddikim, in general, for the tzaddikim, chassidim, um, righteous converts. Um, That's number four. Then for number five is for the rebuilding of Yerushalayim, the Besamekdash. Number six is for Mashiach himself. Um, for the rise of Mashiach, and finally Shema Kolenu, which is a general bracha asking that all of our needs and all of our different requests that Hashem should accept them graciously, and and um, and to bless us with accepting all the different tefilas that we daven for. And that's the ending of that middle section. So again, if you if if we if we take a, a you know closer look, there is a system. There is a it's not just random requests. there's a uh, order to the request. And again, it's really half personal requests, half general requests, but these are all of the different requests of the Shimanastra. I also mentioned, I think last week or the week before, that if one wants to add a request during Shimanastra, one may do so in the appropriate bracha. So if I'm if someone that I know is sick and I want to mention their name, the appropriate place would be the bracha of rifa'inu, for healing. So if the, you, do that? You, you do that before the bracha, before the ending of the bracha, before the baruch atah Hashem. Um, you could do it verbally, or you could do it in your mind, in your thoughts. Um, and that's, again, any one of the brachas, there's something particular I have to ask for atonement for. Um, there's a certain special person or someone needs parnasa. There's a bracha for parnasa, and so on. We also said that All requests can be inserted into the final one of the middle section, which is general. Shema kolayinut, Hashem answers our brachas. So whatever request that might be could be mentioned there. Many people, um, because of their feeling they don't know exactly how to say it or where the words would be inserted exactly, would do this in their minds and thoughts. But definitely this is the part of Shema that deals with our requests and therefore is the time that's appropriate to ask Hashem for the various, all the different types of needs that we have. Having said that, let's focus a little more closely on a few points in this middle section of Shemun And I'm not going to go in order. Um, I want to discuss something in the brach of Al HaTzadikim the Al Hasidim. We know that, especially in Hasidic circles, there was always a great emphasis I'm sorry. Yeah, on the on the bottom of page fifty-five. I'm sorry, I'm going back and forth here. On the bottom of page fifty-five, um, which is bracha number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Bracha number ten of the middle section of brachas is a special bracha for the tzaddikim, the righteous, the chassidim, those who are especially pious. Zikni amcha the elders of the Jewish people. We're asking bracha that Hashem protect the righteous and the holy of the of the generations, and then there's an interesting three words. If you go on page fifty six, after we're asking for all the righteous, we say in the fourth line, "Vesim chalkenu Um Place our lot with them, with the Sadiq. Special bracha that we want to be connected to the tzaddik. Although we realize in most cases that perhaps I'm not such a big tzaddik. But whether I am or I'm not, I want to be connected to tzaddikim. I want to be together with tzaddikim. Um, there is, again, and I started saying, by Hasid, in Hasidic circles especially, starting from the Balshamto, there was always a tremendous emphasis on connecting to tzaddikim. rebbe's tzaddikim, um, holy people, and being connected to them. Now, to be sure, like any area in Hasidic um, behavior has its sources back in the Talmud and in Halacha, the Gemara says that the, the verse says, Ubosid bakun, that we're meant to cleave to God, connect to Hashem. It says the Gemara, how does one cleave to Hashem? After all, Hashem is spiritual. How do we cleave? So it says, Had beik When one connects to achamim, to those who are truly righteous, so that is our way of connecting to Hashem. The basic idea being, on a simple level, that the tzaddik is one who's so connected to Hashem and so spiritual and so holy, so the more that we're able to be connected to them and to learn from them and to be in their, um, in their uh, presence and, and learn and gain and be influenced and inspired by them, the more we're connected to Hashem. So really these three words in davening is really that place in davening where we're asking specifically for that. After we daven for the tzaddikim and the chachamim and the wise, we say keinu Hashem help me that even if I'm not so such a big tzaddik, but at least I should be connected to tzaddikim. That's where I want to. That's where I want to be a part of. That's where I want to hang out, so to speak. That's on a simple level, but on a deeper level, I want to explore two meanings that are brought in different um, commentators when it comes to this piece of davening about. This, that our lot should be with them. It's an interesting um, expression. Instead of saying we should just be connected to them, place our lot with them. So one interesting concept that I saw, something very beautiful, says whenever we do a mitzvah, we, a, we obviously create a holy entity and a holy connection to Hashem. Now that holy connection is really everlasting. It's eternal. Um, in Tanya, the Eber writes very clearly that every yichud, every union that we create with Hashem is la Ilam la'ilamvad is everlasting. Any mitzvah that anyone ever did is everlasting. Now, problem is that sometimes after one does a mitzvah, unfortunately it might happen that the person could do an avera. And a person can act in a way that's grossly not godly or holy. So what happens with those mitzvahs when I did the avera? Interesting question. Here I created this union, I created this connection between Hashem and me, but right now I'm behaving in a manner that totally doesn't reflect that connection. So where is that connection? Right? It's an interesting question, but like right now, is this person, yes, connected or not connected? You see a person and they're doing a very terrible act, very sinful act, very disgraceful act, very immoral. act. But this same person did mitzvahs yesterday, a year ago, two years ago, whenever it was. So you say, is that person now connected to Hashem by, by, you know, by nature of that old mitzvah? You know, where's that old mitzvah? The person is sitting there. So they say, kabbalistically, a very interesting concept, which is, right now, that person doesn't have access to that mitzvah. Because right now, the way the person is acting and behaving, that holy union that they connected to Hashem has no place with this person and their current behavior. Where does the mitzvah go? it says, there are tzaddikim. There are tzaddikim of the generation. And all of us are connected to the tzaddikim, whether we know it or not. The way the souls are built. right? We know that it's brought in so many sfarim that all the souls of the Jewish people make up like one body, or like one entity. And that body has a head, and that body has different parts of the body. The true tzaddikim of a generation are the head souls of the generation. So all of our souls are connected to the tzaddik soul, even if we don't know it, even if we don't feel it. That tzaddik works for us even when we don't know. And one of the things that tzaddik might do is when our mitzvahs are not able to be connected to us at that time, he takes them. He's holding on to them. For when? For when I'll be up to, again, connecting to the mitzvah that I did. So it's almost like he's taking it for safekeeping. He's holding on to all the holiness that I've created that right now, for whatever reason, I'm not able to access. Holding on to it in places of holiness, and then after one does shuvah, one after one rids themselves of the extra baggage, that mitzvah is waiting for me, fresh as ever, to connect me to Hashem, and that we're, in a way that I'll be able to reconnect to it. So, according to one commentary that I saw, that's a deeper meaning of the simchel keinu imahem. Cast our lot with them. Chalkeim, referring to the mitzvahs that we've done. May those mitzvahs always be with the tzaddikim, even in times when I'm not able to connect to them, so that they should, ne- I should never lose that holiness that that mitzvah brought to me. It should be safeguarded in a holy place, in a safe place, and as soon as I'm able to reconnect to it, it should be there for me. Yeah, it's a big responsibility for the tzaddikim. It to is. take yeah. care of all the mitzvahs. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Sadiqim have to work for a living, too? <laughs> 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 yes, <definitely. laughs> Listen, they don't have a, it's a horror, right? So, so they have their own... Uh, <laughs> they have their own struggles. Listen, I'm not able to reveal to you everything about Sadiqim right now, but tell you, I can just tell you what I learned. Okay, another explanation, a totally different explanation that I quickly want to explore with you. Just uh, I learned these things today in preparing for the share, and I was fascinated by, by them myself. Um, another explanation is the following. There are, we know, different parts of a neshama. If we go way back in Davening, way back on page 17, we say this early in the morning, and we learned it probably a year and a half ago. <laughs> so in, in page 17, in the first paragraph on the page, you have a piece which says, which talks about thanking Hashem, and our oblig- right here, and our obligation to thank Hashem. Again, page 17, on top of the page, I think it's 17. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That we are obligated to, to praise you and to thank you. Um, and then we say, which we, which is really a, a famous statement, Lefichach, there. In the middle of that paragraph, we say, Ashreinu, how fortunate are we? Matov Chelkeinu, how great is our Chelik, our lot, our, our portion. Manoin Gorilenu, how beautiful is our Goril? Um, which literally means like a lottery. How beautiful is our Yerusha, is our inheritance. Notice that we talked about our lot, our lottery, our inheritance. So, Kabbalistically, these are referring to different parts of our Neshama. There are parts of our Neshama that are like, like a lottery. A lottery means something that I don't really work for. You don't win a lottery because you're very smart. Like, and I put in a lot of thought on this, a lot of effort, and I won the lottery. No, I, I paid a dollar I on the lottery. It has nothing to do with me. It's two dollars. Two dollars, whatever is. <laughs> But the the point is, there are parts of our neshama that we just get from Hashem, and they're just there. And we don't have to really work for it. We don't have to put in a lot of effort. Um, for example, in Hasidus and Tanya, it's discusses a lot how Jews are ready to even give their life. Historically, throughout history, when we were threatened, um, would you uh, bow to idolatry or renounce your connection to Judaism or will you die on the stake or on the Inquisition or the Nazis or in the Crusaders? And historically, we gave our life. That didn't come through a lot of effort or contemplation or avodah. It's just there's a certain part of our neshama that says, I'm connected to Hashem no matter what. That's the Yerusha. That's the inheritance of our neshama or even the Goro, the lottery of our neshama. Um, in Hasidic terminology, these are called the makifim, or the transcendent parts of our neshama. The parts of our neshama that don't require actual effort and internalization. They're the holy essence of every neshama. But then there's the right? Matov chelkeinu. The chilek, chilek literally means a supportion. And that's the part of our neshama that we have to work with, that we have to develop. And... In, again, in Hasidic and Kabbalistic terminology, this refers to what we call the nefesh, ruach, and neshama, right? Um, In in general, the Hasidus brings a medrash that says the neshama has five names. Um, There is the, the yechida, which is the very essence of the neshama. There is the chaya, which is also an essential, transcendent level of the neshama. And then there is the three internal parts of the neshama, called nefesh, ruach, neshama. Nefesh, ruach, neshama, in simple words, means the um, intellect, emotions, and action. Those are the internal parts of our neshama that we have to work with. Um, How are we going to use our intellect? Are we going to use our intellect to bring us closer to Hashem, to learn His Torah, to understand Him? Are we going to use our emotions (laughs) for godly, holy, refined emotions, and our actions. This is very much up to us. This is not lotteries. This is not inheritance. This is the part that is up to us to develop. It's up to us to transform. It's up to us to protect. That's much tougher. Because the part of our neshama that we just get as a inheritance, the essence of our neshama, the essence of our Judaism, is beautiful and special and holy, but not very difficult doesn't require effort on our part right being jewish is not an effort thing it's just it's a it's an inheritance unfortunately some people don't realize don't know that inheritance right this friday um i took my children for a trip we went to a place called zap zone anyone ever heard of something so silly like that zap zone um, it's where there's rides and jumping and arcades and whatever. You're, if you go there, you can count on you leaving with a big headache. <laughs> um, I was the driver. Uh, uh. <laughs> so I went to the zone, but I, my son, the yeshiva boy, came along. Of course, he brought along a pair of tefillin. We're going to find someone to put on tefillin with, to make this a, make this a meaningful yeah, yeah. experience. But this is not in the type of place where there's a lot of Jews there, aside from people who come to jump or something. But anyway, <laughs> so he tried. One, two, three, four. No one's Jewish. It's not even that type of an area. What city were you? Oh, so I wasn't even here. I was in Michigan. I went to visit my parents for Shabbos. So this was somewhere in, out of West Bloomfield, Michigan. Whatever, it was just like, you know, you go, on a, you go on a trip, so you have to go on a trip. <laughs> Anyhow, so finally he hits, he asks someone behind the counter, this guy has tattoos and everything. Yeah. <laughs> says, Are you Jewish? I not nah. Only my mom was like, oh, ah. no. no. says, what do you mean? Your mom was? Yeah, I don't even know about my mom, but her appearance definitely was. My grandma, and grandpa, because before they died, they would do Hanukkah, and Passover, and this. So, so I was like, you know, sorry to tell you this, but you know, you're Jewish too. I'm like, says yes. Anyways, he put on tefillin oh, with him. Wow. And for the first time in his life, I never put on tefillin, didn't have bar mitzvah got, nothing. So nothing. Um, with just tattoos and everything, I have, my phone is being used to record, but I have a picture of him. I took a picture together with the tefillin and we sent it to him and hopefully we'll try to hold some type of contact. But I'm saying, so there's a part of a neshama that's your inheritance. You don't have to do anything for it. You just have to be born to a Jewish mother and you're Jewish. That's the essence of the neshama. It's the most powerful part of our neshama. It's the most special, but that's it's going to remain holy, untouched. The, the greater trick, if you will, is the parts of our neshama that do have to be developed. The thinking and the feeling and the action. What am I going to do with that? This is trickier. And so we go back to that piece of that bracha that we were asking Hashem the same the same chelkeinu imahem cast our lot with the tzaddikim let's focus the word chelkeinu which part of the neshama is chelkeinu the thoughts the intellect, the feelings, the action who makes sure that I do right that I use my mind correctly and I use my emotions correctly and actions when I connect to a tzaddik, when I when I act the way the tzaddik inspires me to act, when I act and I speak and I learn the way that I'm, I'm taught and guided and inspired by the tzaddik, then even those parts of my neshama that need the effort are going to go in the right way as well. So really, these three words—they're just like three little words in the middle of a bracha of but they're really the bracha where we're asking Hashem to be able to that we should be successful in maintaining our relationship, our connection, with the special tzaddikim that Hashem gives us in order to teach and guide and inspire and connect us. So those are all in those three words, Vasim chalkeinu imahim. Okay, I want to look at another two concepts, one shorter and one longer, um, in this middle section. I'm going. I'm working my way backwards now. And I want to look at bracha number two and bracha number three of the middle section of Shemona Esri which is, um, I'm back on page 53. And bracha number two is, HaShiveinu Avinu L'Sor Asking Hashem for, we want to do tshuva, return to the Torah, and to service of Hashem. And bracha number three is, Slachlanu Avinu Kichatanu, um, for atonement for sins that we've done. Now, I want to point out something that's perhaps simple, but very important to remember. Tshuva and atonement. Many times you sort of mix that into one. right? It's one big thing. When I did shuvah, I'm atoned for. But clearly from the Shemona there's two separate brachas. Two separate, two separate brachas and two separate concepts. There's a concept called repentance. And there's a concept called atonement. What's the difference between them? And why do we, why do we divide them into two separate brachas at the beginning of this section of Shemona Esri? So, quickly... What is the essence of tshuva? You know, we talk, we, talk, we talk about tshuva. Tshuva is always important, especially in Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. What's the essence of tshuva? So there is the um, we know Tanya itself has five parts. The second section, I take that back. The third section of Tanya is called Igeres at Shuva, the letter of tshuva, the letter, the letter explaining tshuva, and there, the Alter Rebbe makes a very powerful statement. And he says, mitzvah sa chuva min ha The mitzvah of chuva from the Torah is azivas hachet bilvad. Which means leaving go of sin. Period. Chuva is not about fasting. Chuva is not even about atonement. What does the word tshuva mean? The actual word to return. In other words, I acted a certain way. That way disconnected me and I decide, I resolve, that I'm going to return to the way Hashem told me to behave. That's tshuva. Tshuva is not more complicated than that. It's, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's simple. The concept of tshuva is very, very simple. It is, I was acting a certain way, I'm stopping. I'm going to change. I'm doing different. That's what tshuva is. And when a person makes a firm resolve that they're changing, that is the essence of what Shuvah is all about. In fact, halachically, how long does Shuvah have to take? A split second. Shuvah is a resolve. And so many times, and somehow in my head, I, I, hear, I, I, hear, I, I hear the Rebbe saying these words by bringing, quoting the Zohar. That the Zohar says that Shuvah is chada, uberiga chada, chada. In one moment, in one second, in one turn. Tshuva doesn't have to take time. Because Tshuva is not about anything more than just a change of course. How long does it take to change course? A second. Mm-hmm. That's right. Only a second. I'm going, instead of going this way, I go that way. That's all it is. And even in a basic halacha, in basic halacha we have a very powerful Gemara that says, there's, there's a concept in halakha called conditions. If I make, if, if I do something that's conditional, that condition is very powerful in halakha. So, for example, I'll just give you an example: a man marries a woman and says, "This marriage is a valid marriage on the condition that I am a millionaire." Okay. Again, we're doing by the chuppah. The man says, "Give you a ring, harayat mukadeshus, everything. As long as I'm a millionaire, this is a good marriage. Or as long as you're a millionaire, whatever."
1: <laughs> so,
0: what's the halakha? Is that is that marriage valid? if they're a millionaire uh-huh. very simple if he's a millionaire it's a good marriage if not they're not married zero they, don't, they wouldn't need a divorce that marriage never took hold and this is a basic halachic concept that if one does really any act based on a condition if the condition is not there there's no act mm-hmm. this is basic halach. so here comes the Gemara's question you have a man who's known in town as a Russian mm-hmm. he's a wicked guy he does, he's done he's done it all he's the worst of the worst comes to the chasna, he marries a woman he says, kodesh, so you're married to me, on the condition that I am a tzaddik gomor. I'm a total tzaddik. Mm-hmm. Everyone's laughing. This dream guy, is tzaddik? Dream on. Right, dream on, right? Did so you one tzaddik. would think, so one would think, there's no marriage. Mm-hmm. Someone says I'm a millionaire and he only has 500,000 in the bank. No chasna. So this guy says, I'm a tzaddik and he's not. Everyone knows he's not. Says the gemara, no, married. Why? Because at that moment, he could have thought to do tshuva. And therefore, at that moment, he switched gears. So nobody's in anybody else's mind. We don't know. So we can't just say there's no marriage here. Because it's very likely that that's true. That they're at Saga. <laughs> well, she doesn't have to accept. You can't marry someone against their will. That's not part of the story. Obviously, she says, I'm in. But that's her problem. But look, you can't marry against anyone's will. Not a man, not a woman. But when that condition was made, that condition has to be fulfilled in order for the marriage to be a halachic marriage. And here's where the Gemara says this, this, this super powerful statement that's indicative on what shuva is. That shuva doesn't take time. shuva doesn't take effort, so to speak. It's a resolve. A resolve of change. And once I've resolved to change, that's shuva. But what does that resolve include? Like what are you resolving to do differently? Because let's say you know that you're not... You're not going to stick with everything, or so that's that's a that's a very good question, and if you know every it, it's it's very hard to get into a person's mind and what they meant and what they didn't mean. Mm-hmm. A person can resolve the change, and we know people make people. Although change is of course difficult, but change can be made, and change can be made in moments. In other words, change doesn't necessarily have to be made through gradual change is a a mindset and a change. Now, does that mean that once I change, I might never fall? I might, but I've changed my way of of what I want to do and how I want to do it. Um, You know, in life, everyone tries to change many times and so on and so forth. Change is a lot easier said than done. But nevertheless, change can happen. And when it does happen, it can happen with a resolve, with a firm resolve and and to change. You know, people people have made drastic changes. And that drastic change, the actual change happens at a moment, although the work on that change might take years. But the change, the, the decision, the the, resolu- the resolve, that comes at that moment. So does that connection to Hashem get restored at the moment of resolve, even though there is a process of absolutely? Yes, 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 yes. And that's exactly where I want to head to. So let's say I've resolved to change, and I really, honestly resolve to change. Fact is, I still have bunch of Averas in my suitcase, right? Those Averas, every sin that one does, um, creates negative um, energies and negative implications for me, making things more difficult for me, perhaps affected other things around me negatively. All of that didn't disappear just because I resolved the change. I, as a person, have reconnected to Hashem. True. And I'm good. But there's still all those little messes that I spilled. You're still responsible. And those messes have to be taken care of because they can affect me and the world around me and my children and whatever negatively. It's almost like, it's almost like, I'm going to say a bad example now because I didn't think this through. But I I made a big mess in the house. I made a big mess. And then I solemnly resolve that I will never do this again and I'm going to be good and I'm not going to make a mess ever again. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. But not go back and clean up. right? It's two parts. It's a different part of the story. Mm-hmm. It's true that I changed and it's true that now I'm good and it's true that I'm not going to do this anymore and therefore I'm connected to Hashem. But there's still the messes that I made. Mm-hmm. Those messes, that's what atonement is for. And that's a spe- it's a separate concept. And it's a separate bracha. Mm-hmm. Atone for the sins that I've done. See, in the first bracha, if you look closely at the words, the first bracha doesn't talk about atonement. Mm-hmm. It just says, Hashem, I want to get back on course. I want to get on course to your Torah. Um, bring me close to service. To the service. Return me with tshuva. Tshuva means to return. I want to re... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to get back on course. I want to switch back. I I did some silly things. I want to get back on on, on course. And this is something we say every day. We're not talking about like a one-time life tshuva. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the daily thing. I made some mistakes. I want to switch direction. I want to get myself back on the road. I may have wandered off a little bit. That's bracha number one. Now, once that's taken care of, the essence of tshuva has been satisfied because I've changed. I'm good. I'm okay. I'm not doing that anymore. Now comes another request. Before I got back on course, I made some little mistakes. Those little mistakes are still out there. I I affected people negatively. I affected things negatively. I may have affected my soul negatively. There's little little blotches here and there because of carelessness or because of whatever. I'm asking Hashem to atone for those. slicha mechila. That's like to, to wipe away the messes that I made, and that's done through regret for what I've done. That's done through, um, um, what's it called? Um, video, um, confessing what I've done. All of these are different steps in removing the implication and the effects of negative things that we've done. And these are two distinctly different parts of the process of Tshuva whenever and however Tshuva happens. And whether we're talking about Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Shuvah, whether we're talking about the person who becomes of Al-Shuvah once, or whatever, whether we're talking about an everyday Davening Shemon Esri, mm-hmm. there's always the two parts to the story. The first and essential part is that I'm changing. That's the essential part of Shuvah. And then there is, yes. although I've changed and I'm good, t- take for example, uh, a very simple example. Let's go back to that guy who got married and says, I'm a Sadiqoma. Mm-hmm. And the rabbis say, okay, you're married. Because, I'm sure in your mind, you, you resolve to do the trip, and you're a tzaddik this minute. That's great. Problem is, this guy, one of the things he did yesterday was he stole. Does he have to return the, st- the lost article, the, the stolen items? Of course. Even though he's already a tzaddik. You understand? There's two parts to the story. One part is, you've changed, you're not a thief anymore, that's wonderful. You're a tzaddik, great. But there's another part. Which is now you have to go back to those things that you did before you changed and correct them. Really, when you first of all, when you're Davening, is this just is this are we talking, is this practical or is this just between you and Hashem when you're saying Shwang? Well, of course it's between you and Hashem. Okay. We're talking about between us I'm talking to Hashem. I'm asking Hashem for a bracha that I should succeed in these two parts. Practically. Right. So practically place. I'm not doing it while I'm standing in. Sure. Okay. Just like when I'm asking for rufainu I'm not in the middle of getting a surgery in the middle of davening. I see. Right? right? So all of this is asking Hashem for brachas that I should succeed in all of these we're most important same. things. Okay. Later, after davening, in the doctor's office, back when I'm doing shuba and so on and so forth. Okay. But this is where I'm drawing down the energy and the brachas to be able to accomplish that. And we're saying the Shemona three times a day. I mean, you are. <laughs> and, um, and so... Oh, you do four? Yeah, I need it four times. Um, but, so, we need, I mean, we need this so many times, this reconnect, reconnect, reconnect. Because you know. that's, that's the Cause story. Because that's, that's <laughs> who <things>. we are. <laughs> right? Right? Mm-hmm. And it's always on a higher level. It doesn't always have to be the same thing, you know. A person can, as, as they grow, hopefully, the tshuva is also on a higher level, and perhaps for more subtleties, mm. But the concept is always there, to reconnect and and to straighten myself out again. And we're human beings. We're not computers. And there's ups and downs and and rights and lefts. And we're always trying to re-inspire and reconnect. It feels like our connection to Hashem, or at least that calcaneum part of it, is dependent on way too many things. Because there are so many different rules and you could mess up any of them. (laughs) But there's so many different rules that each one that I do right is connecting me to Hashem. As much as there's so many different rules and each little one of them can hurt me, there's so many different ways that I'm connecting to myself to Hashem and energizing and being strengthened through that connection. So they're both. It's it's true what you said, but that's. But on the other hand, the fact that Hashem gave me so many different connections, it's not like Hashem says, you know, come around once a year and we'll connect. Every day I have a million opportunities to say a bracha and do a mitzvah and give tzedakah and be nice to a person and do so many different types of mitzvahs because there's so many different types of opportunities so there's more opportunities also to do something wrong. True. But it's not because of there's just negatives. To the contrary, there's so many mitzvahs because there's so many ways that Hashem gives us to connect Him constantly. People have their specialties. Also, you know, their, their strengths and their for weaknesses. Sure. It's a good reason to learn how to do more and more of them. Yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. Okay, I want to talk about one more thing. And the time is short to give over this idea, but this is a very important idea. And I saved it for last because it's, it's so beautiful and so about the general concept of tefillah. About what? About tefillah. What tefillah? And uh, that is the first of the middle brachas. Right? We, worked our, we worked our way backward. The first of the middle brachas, which is 53, la adam das, the bracha for wisdom. That Hashem granted wisdom and understanding to human being, and we're asking Hashem to give us chachma, bina, and das, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. That's the first of all the brachas. And that's interesting. When we think about our needs, does that always come to mind as the first of our needs? No. Wisdom. <laughs> understanding and knowledge. I mean, later there's chuva, there's health, and there's parnasa, and there's mashiach, and there's Tzadikim, and Yerushalayim. And, no, if, 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 if I was to make the order of the requests of the Shemona Esrei, uh, Baruch Hashem, they didn't give me that job, but <laughs> I don't know what I would have chosen first. I'm not convinced that the first thing that I would have chosen is to have wisdom no. and understanding and knowledge. And yet, the Chachamim did just that. The men of the great assembly, and again, these weren't just regular Chachamim and Sadiqim, We're talking about prophets, Neviim the holiest of people, and they chose that the first bracha be the bracha about wisdom. And what's, I'm I'm sure there's a number of different ideas that can be learned from that, but I want to share with you one. And that idea is going to touch on the general concept of tefillah, of Shemona Esrei, and requests of Hashem in general. I've mentioned more than once, although I don't think recently, a very interesting insight from the Alter Rebbe in Lukutia Torah. And that is, we know the Shemona Esrei, the actual word Shemona Esrei means 18. Because initially there was 18 blessings. Why 18? So the Gemara says a number of reasons. And one of them, it says famously, is because there are 18 vertebrae in the spine. Right? we have a spine, and the spine has eighteen vertebrae, and that's why there's eighteen blessings of the Shemoneh Now, is there a doctor in the house, Like a medical one? No. Okay, good, because someone because if there is, someone says like eighteen vertebrae in the spine. I don't think that's whatever. So I, I I don't know, you know, how the doctors work out the eighteen vertebrae. Now, you know, the way they count it. Um, <laughs> Are there? I see. I don't know, but I. I, the Gemara definitely says so. I, I, I've told you, I've told you, I think yeah. in the past that in Sfas there is a chiropractor. A, uh, he's a Breslov Chassid, Breslov Chabad, a little bit of everything. He has a beard that's way down. And I usually, when I'm there in the summer, I usually go at least once or twice to him and he really works on the spine on the back. So we've discussed this and he like tries to show me where the 18 are. Okay. Like, there, 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 there. <laughs> And he says, he, he's figured out how he thinks, you know, what the Gemara meant when it said 18. He says, because typically they say 20 this or 20 this, but he <laughs> thinks if you put this and this together, boom, 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 and I'm like, ow. He says, that's the 18. But be that as it may, the Gemara says there's 18 vertebrae in the spine, and there's, therefore there's 18 brachas in the shon Okay, which leaves the obvious question, what's the connection? Right. Just because there's 18 vertebrae in the spine, I mean, Mazel it could have said anything. It could have been three, because there's three parts of the arm. I don't know, you know. Well, so there's got to be something deeper. So in Lukut the al Rebbe says the following. In short, he says that really we know from Mishnah, from Zohar, from Gemara, that the way Torah looks at a human body is how many limbs are there? 248. Now, what are they exactly? Again, I don't know. But the Mishnah does say how many are in each part of the body. How many are on the hand, and how many are on the arm, and the, this part of the arm, the upper part of the arm? The Mishnah breaks down the human body and tells us where the two forty-eight are. And the Alter Rebbe says that after learning that Mishnah thoroughly, there's one part of the body that's not mentioned as one of the two forty-eight, which is that the spine. I did tell you why not? Why is the spine not there? So he says again to make a long mimer short. He says because the spine is not one of the parts of the body. It connects all the parts of the body. It gives the energy to every different part of the body, and he says that's tefillah. Tefillah also, we know, just like there's 248 limbs, there's 248 positive commandments. Tefillah, according to most common, most poskim, most um, uh, halachic uh, codifiers, tefillah is not one of the is not a Torah mitzvah to pray to daven every day. Why not? Is tefillah less important than any other mitzvah? Says he, the opposite. Just like the spine is not one of the 248, not because it's less important, but because that connects everything that brings the the mind's um, commands and brings the energy to the entire body, tefillah brings the divine energy, the spiritual energy to our entire day. So that's why tefillah is the spine of Torah. Again, the spine of the human body is not a limb. It's the thing that connects the mind with all the limbs. Tefillah is not a mitzvah. It connects, uh, it brings the spirituality in all of our mitzvahs throughout the day. That is a general idea. Having said that, and that's something I've shared in the past, but now I'll say something I have not shared in the past, at least here. And that is, okay, so the spine is tefillah. But if we think about it, the spine itself, you can break that down into a few steps. And this is from a mimer of the previous Rebbe, and it says the following. It says, you have the top of the spine that connects to the bottom of the brain, which is where everything comes from. So really, you think about it, there is the brain, which is at the very top. And then there's the actual spinal cord. Then there are the 18 vertebrae. And then there is the rest of the body, that receives its energy from the 18 vertebrae. Okay? So we're breaking it down into four parts. There's the mind, which is at the very top of the spine. The mind gives that off flow of energy through the spinal cord. The spinal cord has 18 vertebrae. And through that, everything of the body is energized. Okay? The mind, the cord, the vertebrae, the rest of the body. You with me, where are those four steps in tefillah? If we're saying in general that tefillah is the spinal cord, how do we now break that down and understand? <clears throat> excuse me, the mind, which is the source of the energy, the spinal cord, the eighteen vertebrae, and then the rest. How does that all play itself out in tefillah? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. So you know what? Let's start from there because that's the easiest one. The 18 vertebrae is the 18 brachas. Now, what are the 18 brachas? Requests. Primarily. Requests. Specifics. Now, the question has been asked, of course, many times, which is, here, we're standing before Hashem, we've worked our way up an entire davening, and we're really, really at our high point of spirituality, what do we say? Hashem, give me, give me. Give me, give me money. Give me health, give me Mashiach, give me Seichel, give me Tshuva. But hey, you you're finally standing before Hashem. Forget about yourself a little bit. Why is, it all about, why is it always about me at the end of the day? Right? Isn't it about becoming a little selfless and forgetting about my own needs and so on and so forth? And this is a question that in any Tula class is going to come up at some point. Like, even at the height of our connection, we're saying, give me. Why? And there are many answers to that question, many good answers to that question. One of the answers to that question is that really, what are we saying? We're saying that all of our needs come directly from Hashem. What we're really expressing when we're davening is that health, that's from you. Wealth, it's from you. Seichel, it's from you. Wisdom is from you. Tshuva is yours. Mashiach is yours. Yerushalayim, Inget. We're really telling Hashem something a lot greater than if we would say, you know what, Hashem, there's nothing. Total selflessness. No, no, that's not true. We have a whole life going on. What we're saying at the high point of our davening is we're expressing that every detail of our life, we understand exactly where it comes from. And exactly what it's dependent on. So it's not about give me as much as it's about the realization and the expression that at this point to Hashem, we turn to Hashem and say, I know every single thing that I have, every single thing that I want, every single thing that I need, you're the address for. You're the only one I go to for it. So yes, I'm going to go to the doctor's office because doctors do that, but it's to you who I come that, that that bless me that that be successful. Yes, I'm going to go to work. But I know that the as my measure of success in work is going to be totally dependent on if you're going to give me or you won't give it to me. Many people have gone to work and have come home with nothing. And I'm asking that I should go to work and be successful. And I'm asking that I should have the wisdom to make the right decisions. And I'm asking that I should, and so on and so forth. So really, tefillah is not so much about give me, but about the realization, and understanding that whatever happens, it's really bringing Hashem into our entire day. That's the 18 vertebrae. The 18 vertebrae are 18 places where we bring Hashem into. The essence of tefillah is not about the requests. It's about the connection to Hashem. That I'm standing before Hashem. I'm standing before Hashem as a servant stands before their master, and I'm connecting to Hashem. That standing and connecting is the spinal cord from which the vertebrae come out. The vertebrae are carrying that connection into the 18 br- into the 18 needs, the 18 requests. So I'm connecting to Hashem, that's the spinal cord. That's the whole cord of tefillah. That connection then is going to express itself. That that connection Hashem should come down into my health. It should come down into my wisdom. It should come down into my tshuva. It should come down into my need for geula. That's the vertebrae that comes forth from the spinal cord. That vertebrae in turn is going to vitalize an entire body. 248 limbs all the different mitzvahs of the day, all the different expressions that we do, that they should all be imbued with that godliness. That's where the 18 vertebrae are going. right? So I drew Hashem down into these 18 different requests, and through that, that the rest of the day, whatever I'm doing, and any mitzvah that I do, should all be permeated with the kedusha that I drew down through tefillah. So what did I deal with? How many of the four things? The spinal cord is the essence of our connection to Hashem. The vertebrae is carrying that connection into the 18 different needs that we have. The rest of the body is everything else that I'm going to do throughout the entire day, which will hopefully be affected by the tefillah, by my connection to Hashem. Which part didn't I speak, to, uh, speak about yet? The brain. The brain. How do I connect to Hashem? By using my mind to think about Hashem, to think about who I am, and to recognize that this is what I want to connect to. So the mind is the first step in connecting to Hashem. How do we connect? It starts with using our head. It starts with thinking. Hashem gave us the great gift that we're different than an animal or than a stone or than a tree, that we can think. Cognitive thinking. And we can think about Hashem and think about our purpose in this world and think about we want to connect to Hashem. So we use our mind to think. Or, in simple words, they have kavana. intention when we daven. When we use our mind to have kavana, then our davening is meaningful. If it's meaningful, we're connecting to Hashem. If we're connecting to Hashem, we're bringing that into all of our needs, and then into the rest of our day. So it's really four steps. It starts with thinking and using our mind, using our, our wisdom, using our kavana to bring to feel connected, to bring that into our particular needs, and into the rest of our day. That's why the first bracha is the bracha for wisdom. Because tefillah starts with using our mind, with the kavana. Tefillah is not just lip service, it's not about saying words. It's about thinking, it's about reflecting, it's about connecting. Which is really what we're doing in this last year and a half, learning the sitter. Because you could just say the sitter but to, to really connect to the sitter you have to learn, to understand, to think, to reflect on what we're saying. And that's why the first bracha is Atachonil Adam Das. Because the first step into davening properly is to be able to have the wisdom, to be able to use our minds properly. It's not about being a genius. It's not about how many you know, numbers I can crunch in my mind. It's not about that at all. It's about using our wisdom, our understanding, to understand what we're here for, to understand who we are, to understand how we relate to Hashem, to understand how the Torah gives us the ability to connect. And then we're able to connect to the spinal cord of davening the vertebrae of davening, and bring that into the rest of the day as well. And that's why the middle section of Shema Nasser starts with the Ladam Das, asking Hashem really for success in davening. Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're davening for Hashem. So the first bracha is that I should be able to use my mind and daven properly and connect properly so that ultimately that effect of that davening shouldn't just be during the davening, but should be felt throughout the day in the entire body that the spine... Um, Gives its vitality and direction and life to. And that's how we started those brahms. I'll stop here. Thank you. Um,